You're listening to Astroscope, astrology podcast by Mark Lerner and Great Bear Enterprises. This podcast is sponsored by Buzzword Consulting and Forfame.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to part two of our series on the progressed United States sun and the progressed United States palace coming together by secondary progression on May 28th of 2019. I'm going to keep this second one shorter. The first one was about 32 minutes, and I gave kind of the gist of the overall picture here, the stories that are already on the Great Bear Astrology website that you want to study and the other charts to look over, a lot of hints and suggestions about Pallas Athena and its meaning and why this very, very rare mundane-or-world-type alignment for a national chart has been heating up for so many years. Now... What I wanted to talk about here, I just want to give some hints again about the overall picture here. The chart that I'm using for this particular part two is going to be the discovery chart at an approximate time. We don't know exactly when um, Wilhelm Heinrich Olbers, who was an astronomer and physician in Germany, he is the discoverer of both Pallas and Vesta, Pallas being discovered in 1802 at the end of March, and then almost exactly five years later, within one day in 1807, the same astronomer physician discovered Vesta. Now, that's pretty remarkable in and of itself. Um, But part of the reason I wanted to have this is astronomy is a big deal. It's connected to astrology. My favorite magazine is Astronomy. I've had it for, I don't know, 15 or 20 years. And connecting astrology to the astronomy of the stars and the planets and the galaxies. It's a very big deal for me. It's been a major interest during my whole life since I was a kid. And so that keeps me steady on a kind of scientific mathematical pathway. Um, Again, in the last podcast, you have the chart for the exact progression of sun and palace, both progressed by secondary progression. So what I want to mention here is, first of all, about progressions. I said in the first podcast, and this is very important, when I got into astrology back in 1972-73, and I'll talk about Eleanor Bach in a moment, my main mentor was Dane Rudger, one of the great astrologers of the 20th century. One of his teachers and colleagues was Dr. Mark Edmund Jones, which turns out to be the main mentor and teacher of Eleanor Bach, one of the foremost, if not the foremost, uh, astrologer of the asteroids, and she's the one who created the first main asteroid ephemeris back in 1973, which she pretty much self-published, and I will get into that in a moment. Uh, So that has opened up so many doorways. But what I want to talk about here is that there are different kind of progressed systems, and some of you may be familiar, and there's what's called solar arc progressions, where all the planets are moved around the chart, however far the sun has progressed in a person's life. And I don't want to get into all the details of how that works, but there are different forms of progression. Secondary progressions are based on the idea that each day after birth is equal to a year of living. And it's really one of the most common forms of progressions. And when I got into astrology back in 1972 and 1973, in those days, we didn't have the situation we have now where you have all the software and you get progressions and transits and charts calculated in just a few moments. We had to do everything through what was called table of houses and um, logarithms and 
all kinds of mathematical details. And so you really had to be completely focused and learn things from the very beginning. And things are very different now. And so a lot of people uh, don't make use of progressions. And there are other forms of progressions as well. Originally, I have a great book here by Alan Leo, um, who was both an esoteric astrologer and one of the foremost British astrologers from well over 100 years ago. And he did a whole series of books Early on in my studies, I had all of his books, and I have this big, thick book called The Progressed Horoscope from 1905, filled with all kinds of mathematics and all kinds of how you calculate charts by primary directions and secondary directions and all their deep-set meanings and so much mathematics you wouldn't believe it. So now modern astrologers or people who use software and get into it sort of on a general level and get a smattering of knowledge you could just whip out a progress chart in a few moments. When I was doing this 46 years ago, when I started, it would take me hours to make sure the natal chart and any progress charts were exactly accurate, that all the positions were exactly where they needed to be. And then often handwriting analyses for people and doing consultations back in New York City. So it's a completely different field now than it was then. What I want you to understand, though, is that <clears throat> for each one of you, Right now, you have a various progressed secondary chart with the Sun, the Moon, Mercury, Venus, the planets, the asteroids, Chiron, what are called the dragon's head, dragon's tail. They're all progressing in different progressed systems, and those progressed systems give deep analysis and understanding of who you are emotionally, psychologically, and spiritually. So if you're somebody who just watches what are called the transits, which are powerful, the movements of the planets and the asteroids, sun and moon, the nodes of the moon, the dragon's head, dragon's tail, and so on in the actual sky, moving through your chart, going over your planet, sun and moon, going through your houses. Yeah, that's great. That's one level of understanding. But there are many deep levels. And so what I'm reporting here that I've been watching for many years now, see, it, it turned out I found my notes that I was watching the progressed sun and the progressed palace for the USA chart, getting closer and closer many years ago. But it wasn't until now, when I say now, the last year or two, with the Mueller report and everything we've seen since uh, Donald Trump and Mike Pence became president and vice president, what happened in 2016 and what's been developing with the Mueller report, as I started looking at these events, which, again, in the first podcast, I've referred you back to articles and features in our Earth Aquarius News section, our Astro Flash section, our Global Hotspot section. So the point, though, is that there are many different progress systems. I just want you to know that as long as one is calculating carefully, they're all significant. And the one that we're looking at is very powerful and important. The other thing I want to bring up here is that uh, when you look back at the United States birth chart, which again was part of the August 21, 2018 article featured that's still in Aquarius News, you'll, you can see that the asteroids and Chiron, a lot of you are familiar with Chiron as well as Ceres, Pallas, Juno, and Vesta, they're all in that chart for July 4th, 1776. However, when we had the Declaration of Independence, none of the asteroids had been discovered because they weren't discovered till 1801, until 1807. As a matter of fact, Uranus, the first of the outer planets, it wasn't discovered till 1781, the very year we won the Revolutionary War against Mother England. And that didn't happen 
the victory in that year didn't happen till Yorktown in October of 1781. In March, March 13th, was when the announcement of Uranus being discovered created a whole wave of, in many ways, crisis and shock throughout Europe. And that was discovered by Sir William Herschel in Bath, England, ironically, in the, the mother country we were revolting against. In fact, the the uh, Revolutionary War changed dramatically in that year of the discovery of Uranus. Up till that point, the colonies were not doing very well against Mother England from 1776 through 1780. And then things gigantically changed, undoubtedly connected to the pending discovery of Uranus in March of 1781 and, and the victory in Yorktown in October of 1781. Eventually, Neptune was discovered. So the Neptune that we see in the top of America's birth chart, the trident-looking symbol, that wasn't discovered until 1846, uh, which is another big interesting story. Three different astronomers, one living in in, uh, Germany, one living in France, one living in the United Kingdom, all sort of working together. Ironically, the symbol is the trident, the three-pronged harpoon-like device of Poseidon or Neptune. And there were three astronomers who worked together in a way to discover Neptune. And then we put Neptune into the United States chart. And then finally in 1930, on February 18th, uh, Clyde Tombaugh in Arizona in Flagstaff uh, eventually made the discovery of, uh, of Pluto, three billion miles away. And that discovery was, was uh, interesting because it wasn't announced until March 13th. And uh, which was the anniversary of the discovery of Uranus, but it was found on photographic plates on February 18th of 1930. And this was the beginning of the stock market crash that had just happened in 1929, the Great Depression, the rise of so many dictators in 1930. So Pluto, the god of the underworld, is very connected to, to all of those themes and the beginning uh, toward World War II. And uh, that's a topic for another time. But my point here is that the United States birth chart changes from 1776 and the founding fathers and founding mothers who we believe were into astrology, they didn't know those planets were out there. They didn't know that they were asteroids or goddess archetypes roaming around the chart. So periodically we have to look at America's birth chart and reevaluate what's going on in the country, who, what the leadership is all about and the changing times. And so that leads me to one of the other things that's very important, my meeting Eleanor Bach. Um, And Eleanor Bach in 1972 and 73 was living in lower Manhattan. I was just getting into astrology in New York City. One way or another, I think through going through some meetings in what was called the National Council for Geocosmic Research, an organization that was very big in New York and going to some meetings, I discovered Eleanor Bach. She was then working on this asteroid ephemeris, which turned out to be self-produced in 1973. Um, Over the years, Eleanor Bach produced all kinds of uh, newsletters called Planet Watch, not just on the four main asteroids, but on all the celestial bodies. She was a pioneer. As I said earlier, she was um, guided by Dr. Mark Edmund Jones, who is also one of my great teachers and a colleague of Dane Rudyard. Without Eleanor Bach creating the asteroid ephemeris of Ceres, Pallas, Juno, and Vesta, we wouldn't have a kind of more balanced feminine-masculine energy field 
of the planets in our solar system and the astrology we have now. Interestingly, just as the organization of the National Association of Women now had come into being in the 1960s, the movement of the Equal Rights Amendment, which eventually failed, or at least it might come back eventually to uh, become the law of the land, the women's movement for equal pay, for equal work, equal rights, um, all the different landmark uh, decisions with the Supreme Court, Roe versus Wade, back in the early 70s. So in, the, in America and around the planet, we were beginning to see changes. And at the same time, the asteroid goddesses, Ceres, Pallas, Juno, and Vesta, when those celestial bodies were found, by the way, they were considered planets. The astronomers who discovered them did not say, oh, I found an asteroid. It wasn't until, ironically, Sir William Herschel discovered Uranus, did some research, and eventually he and others were saying, well, those celestial bodies are kind of small, and we shouldn't give them the status of being regular planets. So let's, let's call them asteroids, which really means star-like bodies. So this is what sort of demoted what should have been these fabulous feminine archetypes, had they been accepted in the early 1800s, it would have changed the cultures of Europe and America at that time. But because we lived in a much more male chauvinist vibration and energy field, we're still in it. But in, the, in those times, it wasn't able to surface. So thanks to Eleanor Bach and some other people like Zipporah Dobbins, Demetra George, and many other pioneers now in the last 40 years, we now have a thriving whole industry or area of how the goddess archetypes, and not just these four, there are so many others now that people use in their charts, other asteroids, for different purposes. So the, the birth chart is often filled with so many different uh, vibrations and so many different symbols that didn't exist at the beginning of the country. Um, so as we go through, I'd like to talk more. In fact, I have a couple of quotations here that I'd like to share for a moment. Uh, one of them is from uh, a graphic ephemeris of sensitive degrees by Eleanor Bach. It was self-published, so unless you have it from a long time ago, you wouldn't be able to get it. Subtitled Planetary Stations and Eclipses from 1900 to 2000. I'm reading from her section here about Pallas Athena just to add some amplification and weight to some of the meanings I've given in my articles and some of the things I said about what Pallas Athena rules. Because we know it's connected to intelligence, it's connected to defensive systems. Pallas Athena is actually connected to DNA and genetics. But in terms of mundane or natural world astrology, for instance, the Department of Defense and defending the country from hacking, from illegal foreign interference, whether it's in voting or any other area. This is all part of Pallas Athena. All the intelligence gathering departments, that's all connected to Pallas Athena. Um, this is one of the things that Eleanor Bach says here. In modern times, Pallas is busy with high-tech industries, creating and analyzing systems, creating computers and computer programs. She's involved with strategy and strategic arms, with defense systems, with Star Wars technology and robotics. She is inventing and designing in the newest fields. She is an engineer. Uh, and she goes on to, in the next paragraph. Negatively, Pallas will indicate a troubled economy, inefficiency and waste in businesses, poor planning and strategy. And here's some important words oversights, outmoded systems, obsolete technology, incompetence, difficulty 
with problem solving, wasted energy, vulnerability to attack, uh, neglect or inadequate development of the human potential, poor educational systems, lowered standards and cities in trouble. I mean, think about what she's writing here. This is such a long time ago. Um, Palace, further on, um, in an individual's chart, Palace represents the desire for autonomy to be self-contained, self-sufficient. Um, Palace can show one's individual capacity for ingenuity, for skill, for excellence, one's own special talent and competence. I mean, she just goes on and on. It's just incredible here. Palace is the indicator of our body's defense system. That is the immune system, which protects us against invasion by dangerous organisms. That's what's going on in the body. Palace is involved with that, with DNA and genetics, but it's also involved in our Department of Defense to protect us from invasions, whether it be hacking, not just an invasion by land and so on, or by missiles, um, but on the computer and technology. Negatively, there may be inefficiency, waste, difficulty with solving problems, as she said before, inadequate immunity to disease, um, incompetence and perceptive problems such as dyslexia. This is for individuals. Inadequate pattern perception. So, um, yeah, and then she even goes on, in the body, the brain literally may be an issue, as, for instance, in Alzheimer's disease. So there she's already giving a hint about... Um, some things that do the doctors could look into about palace and people's charts with, with senility and Alzheimer's and so on. Again, from a list here on page 63 of the same book about planetary stations, these are just some of the archetypes, palace being the daughter archetype. As many of you know, Ceres, the largest asteroid and the first one discovered is more of the mother, palace more related to the daughter, June more related to the wife or spouse or partner, and Vesta to the sister. Um, the owl and the olive are connected very much with palace, the shield and the, and the spear. Um, as we go down here, courthouses, okay, and lawyers and judges, computer programming, technicians, engineers, designers. Just think of all that and how that's related to the intelligence systems we have now, computerization, people hacking into, whether it's Facebook, false representations, everything having to do with what's true versus what's false. Um, I've, oh, and this is very important. Negative manifestations of Pallas Athena, autism, dyslexia, perceptive distortions, miscarriage of justice. So that's very, very big there in what she's sharing. Another thing from Z Zipporah Dobbins, let me read that to you. So Zipporah Dobbins from the Asteroid Ephemeris 1900 to 2050, uh, on the page, well, it's in the introduction area, one of the things she's talking about, Pallas Athena. She says Pallas was named for Pallas Athena, who was born full-grown and armed from the forehead of Zeus, the Greek name of Jupiter. Like Zeus, she could hurl thunderbolts, but she was also associated with wisdom, with the owl, as her sacred bird. She was credited with bringing handicrafts to humans, including shipbuilding, weaving, spinning, and the potter's wheel. She also tamed horses, and her major gift was the olive tree. The asteroid palace seems to be Libran with possible Sagittarian overtones. Now, Eleanor Bach didn't necessarily say that. She associated the four asteroids mostly with Virgo, but I would associate myself with, with Zipporah Dobbins' ideas that both Pallas and Juno in different ways 
could be very strongly associated with Libra. And in a future podcast, at some point, I'd like to talk more about Pallas connected, Pallas Athena with Venus and the rulership of Libra, but that's for another time. Zippor Dobbins goes on, it is prominent, Pallas Athena, in the charts of lawyers and litigation. By the way, I will talk about in part three or part four about President Clinton and Hillary Clinton. They both have very powerful Pallas positions stationary in their birth charts and strongly connected to one another's palaces, which describe very much of their history together. And in fact, Hillary Clinton was born with Pallas, not only stationary, but conjunct the United States Pallas moon conjunction in Aquarius. Uh, President Clinton's palace in late Sagittarius is at the galactic center. So this has a lot to do with why they came into power, uh, president and first lady, and Hillary Clinton's rise as a senator and secretary of state, even though she never made it to the presidency. Any rate, Zippor Dobbins goes on, Pallas Athena is prominent in the charts of lawyers and litigation and politicians and counselors and consultants of all kinds, including astrologers. When supported by other factors in a chart, Pallas may add emphasis to the Libra desire for marriage or to artistic talents, especially in the graphic arts, such as photography and design. And this is very big. The ability to see patterns is an important part of all of these activities. So a palace with heavy conflict aspects may be a key to reading disabilities. And then she has in parenthesis, mirror vision, left-right-handedness, confusion, etc. And here's another big one from her. Uh, Alternatively, palace may show marital tensions or indicate a fighter for equality, justice, and other social causes. And that is a very big deal to me about uh, powerful palace positions. So um, we've already gone on a long time in this. There's a lot more that I'll be talking about in part three. But eventually, Eleanor Bach did write articles for my pioneering magazine, Welcome to Planet Earth, which started as a newsletter, became a newspaper and a journal, reached thousands of people in print between 1981 and 2000. Many of you don't know about that. But it was a pretty amazing run at that time. It started really at Findhorn when I was a community member there in the late 1970s and then continued uh, both in Massachusetts and then Wisconsin and out here in Oregon. Uh, okay, so we're going to go on to so many other things in future uh, of future sessions here, including the, the chart for the Department of Justice has a chart. Back in 1870, during the Grant administration, there's the U.S. Constitution chart. There's um, other charts that I want to bring up and other connections about where Pallas Athena will be moving in the months ahead and into next year, which are very significant. So again, many blessings to all of you. Thanks for listening. We'll keep on going with this and get ready for part three. Bye for now.